Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Wasteless Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. Follow the link in the description to pre-order a copy of the book so you'll be the first to receive it on the release date of September 1st, 2022. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of the process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. Supercharge your pup's mealtime with Neobytes Functional Dog Food Toppers. Neobytes unlocks the unique power of cricket protein to promote firm poops, a thick and shiny coat, and everyday vitality for your dog. With a powder format, these toppers can easily be mixed into existing foods to make mealtime more exciting. Cricket, a hypoallergenic and humane protein, is not only better for your dog, but it's better for the planet too. Producing virtually no greenhouse gases and using fractions of the resources used for traditional proteins. Check out Neobytes products on Amazon or at eatneobites.com. Use the discount code CRICKET15 for 15% off your first order. And if you and your dog love it, use the code OUTDOORMINIMALIST for 10% off every order. In episode 34 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we're talking about dogs once again. If you remember back to one of my earlier episodes, we talked about how to responsibly recreate with your dog. And if you haven't already listened to that episode, it's episode eight, and it is one of my most popular episodes. It has some really good insights into trail etiquette, as well as why picking up dog poop is so important. We're out hiking on the trail, whether or not we have a dog with us, we usually end up seeing one or two, but those dogs are usually either large or medium sized at the very least. It's pretty rare that I see a small breed dog hiking, but dogs of all sizes enjoy being outside and they probably enjoy hiking. So if you're someone with a small breed dog and you want to integrate them more into your outdoor activities, this is the episode for you. As you know, I am a very proud dog mom to three large dogs. And although I might have a few tips on hiking with them, I'm definitely not an expert and I'm very uneducated when it comes to working with smaller breeds. That's why I was excited to sit down and chat with Jessica Williams and get her tips for hiking with small dogs and taking them out on all of your outdoor adventures. Jessica has been camping and hiking with her dachshunds for over 15 years and worked in the environmental conservation field for over 18. 10 years ago, Jessica launched the award-winning blog you did what with your wiener? Merging her passion and experience with dachshunds, outdoor recreation, and the environment. Since then, she has inspired small dogs and their owners around the world to explore the outdoors and put more adventure into their lives. In 2012, she took the leap from the corporate world to become a full-time blogger, earn her Master's of Communication and Digital Media from the University of Washington, and coach other aspiring professional bloggers through the Niche Blog Biz. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. I am excited to have you on the show and to talk about all things small dogs. I also know that you have a pretty diverse background in environmental work as well. So I think the conversation will be pretty interesting. But before we get into all of that, do you mind telling us a little more about how you got into your current career and how outdoor recreation fits into your life? 
my path is long and winding, just like a hike. <laughs> I started out working at Olympic National Park while I was going to college and decided on my major, really got involved in, in environmental science through that. And then I was on the like six year, four year plan. <laughs> then I, you know, got a job in that field and worked in environmental science for about 10 years. I started a blog about hiking with my dogs to learn how to use WordPress about six or seven years in. And then I learned that I could actually make money doing that. My traffic started growing and that combined with some changes where I worked and in my personal life. I ended up leaving my job and throwing myself into my blog and I turned that into a full-time business. I currently have three blogs and then I also am a blogging coach and I also do some consulting on, I say on the side, but usually they're pretty big projects. So my world is dogs and dog influencing right now. And part of my job, which is so nice, <laughs> is part of the reason I left too, was because I want to spend more time hiking with my dogs. And that is pretty much what I do now if I'm not working at my computer because I have to because, well, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the dream, right? Just hang out with your dogs. Your life can center around your dogs. That's amazing. It is. When did you make that switch? How long? I mean, you said you started the blog six or seven years ago, but when did that go full time? Yeah, I started the blog in 2010. And I guess looking back on it, it was quicker than I thought. I left in mid-2012. I left my job. So I'd been doing it about two and a half years. Okay, cool. And the main, the main blog is the one that you have about hiking with your dogs. But then what are the other ones that you have? So I own Dachshunds. I hike with Dachshunds. My main blog is You Did What With Your Wiener. And... I started a second dachshund blog about three years ago called For My Dachshund that is just general breed information, the training, personality, health, stuff like that. And then I purchased a blog from one of my clients around the same time called Caring for a Senior Dog. And so a lot of that content is still stuff that she wrote, articles that she wrote, but I'm slowly adding my own flavor to the blog. Okay. And so I make money through sponsorships and ads and stuff through those blogs. Very cool. And I love the name of your blog. You did what with your wiener, very creative and memorable. So does that blog specifically only talk about dachshunds or is it small dogs in general? What types of topics do you cover? Well, I have dachshunds, so my mission overall is to reach all small dog owners, but I'm seen as an authority by people who follow me specifically about, you know, with dachshunds, since that's what I have. So some of my articles are dachshund specific, mm -hmm. but the information can really apply to all small dogs or most small dogs. And then some of the articles are literally titled how to hike with your small dog. So I do go broader with the topics also to include all shorter legged varieties. <laughs> I'm just curious. This wasn't necessarily a question that I sent you before, but I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Have you always had dogs or have you always had dachshunds specifically? We always had dogs growing up. We always had a dog growing up and they were okay. My best friend when I was a kid was a cat. And when I was in college and just before that, the amount of responsibility I could handle was cats. <laughs> I didn't want all of the responsibility and everything that comes with dogs. So it wasn't that I was anti-dog. I just had no interest <laughs> in having one myself. 
And then the switch flipped when I was in college, my undergrads in geology, and we'd go on field camps and some people would bring their dogs with them. And I was like, I want that. I want a dog. Because when I was young, like my family didn't hike and everything. So we didn't have a dog that hiked with us. So I didn't really know about that world, you know, but by college I was hiking and then go on the field camps and that involved hiking and people would bring their dogs. And I thought, I want that. But then I was in college, so I, I was not in a position you know, it was not be a responsible thing to do to get a dog at that point. So I waited. I wanted a big dog. It wasn't that I didn't like little dogs. I just, like most people, didn't even cross my mind because I wanted a dog to hike with me, which what I thought back then meant a larger dog. So I didn't even get small dogs. And I lived with a roommate who got a dachshund and she had to almost immediately start going out of town for work and she was gone more than home. And as part of our agreement, I took care of her dog and eventually we moved apart and the dachshund, it was a dachshund, became mine. And then I got another one and then I started my blog and the rest is history kind of thing. Okay. That's awesome. Just kind of a gradual transition. And yeah. it sounds like a dachshund just happened to be the dog. Yeah, it just happened. And 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of blogs online. There were pretty much zero blogs about dachshunds and not many about dogs at all. So I didn't have all the information and resources that people had today. And I wanted a dog that would hike with me. So when I ended up with the dachshund, I didn't know that they weren't quote unquote supposed to. So I was like, all right, you and me, buddy. And I just started taking them hiking with me everywhere. <laughs> and he did so good. And that's kind of where the blog name came from, because I would tell people about the hikes we did. And they're like, what? You took your dachshund hiking? Where? You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it just made logical sense to name my my blog. He did what with your wiener? Because <laughs> people are always shocked. <laughs> yeah, because it's a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is kind of one of my first questions is, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have probably told you or you've just heard about, or maybe that you even believed before you started bringing your small dogs on hikes? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I, small dogs weren't even on my radar at all, good or bad. I just didn't have any experience there. But I will say out on the trail, one comment I hear often, and it's not even directly to me, <laughs> It's more to like a person's friend as they're passing us. But I've heard regularly enough to call it a common question or comment for people to say, oh, well, I left Jimmy at home because I didn't think he could make it. Next time I should try and bring him. Look at that dog, you know. So really it starts, the misconceptions start before the person or the dog even leaves the house. They don't even think about bringing their small dog with them because they just assume they can't hike. Then when you're out on the trail, I mean, dachshunds are unique because they do have super stubby legs. <laughs> and so they draw a lot of attention. But all small dogs by nature have shorter legs than bigger dogs. So people say, you know, look at those little legs go. They have to take a million steps for your one. And <laughs> oh, I bet they can't get far on those little legs and, and things like that. Also, I think people still just assume that... You know, every breed is different. It has more to do with the breed than the size. But people somehow equate the size of the dog with the amount of energy they have and also equate small dogs often with lap dogs that are just for laying around and keeping you company. 
Yeah, I will agree. I mean, I've had small dogs in my life and I can think my grandparents have a rat terrier and they're pretty small, but holy cow, that dog is the most energetic dog yeah. I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> well, I mean, a really good example is say, yeah, a rat terrier or a dachshund versus a Great Dane. Great Dane is huge. Dachshund mm-hmm. is small, but Great Danes are known for only going, I mean, like I said, every dog's different and it depends on how you raise them. But in in general, large dogs like Great Danes and stuff often aren't duration dogs. Like they're not going to go out for 10 miles. They're going to go for a mile or two and then they're going to be done. You know, so that that's a classic case of where size does not equate yeah. to motivation and energy. And you kind of answered this because I think... Or you're alluding to the fact that small dogs don't necessarily have limitations in comparison to large dogs. It's just kind of like Mm -hmm. every dog is different and has different needs and different energy levels. But exactly if we can generalize Mm -hmm. it to an extent, I know the breeds are different, but what limitations do you think small dogs do have when they're doing outdoor activities versus... I don't know, like a standard breed that I would see hiking, maybe like a Australian Shepherd, which are more like medium size, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I honestly can't point to many, if any, limitations to small dogs. There's advantages and disadvantages of all dogs. But one limitation that is just a physical limitation that you can't get around no matter what would would be like jumping a gap on a trail. If it's like a creek drainage or something and, and a dog needs to jump it because there's no bridge or log or whatever. And in general, small dogs aren't going to be able to jump as far as large dogs, you know. So that would be like the one probably that I would point to that would be a very clear limitation. But there's like advantages and disadvantages. To me, one of the largest advantages of having a small dog is emergencies. If your dog is unable to walk, if your dog is passed out, if your dog's having allergic reaction, whatever, and you have to get them medical attention as soon as you can, you can pick up a small dog and you carry them out. There there are slings and such to be able to carry large dogs. And some people in a pinch have even thrown them over their shoulder. But for some people, that's impossible. And I know someone who carried out a 110 pound German Shepherd in one of the, like those like Fido Pro slings or something. And they got down, but they didn't get down fast at all. And a small dog, you'll be able to move much quicker with them and you can pick them up. So to me, that's the biggest one. Also, if you are crossing, say, a log or something over a creek, a small dog has a lower center of gravity. So they're actually going to be less likely to fall off that log. So that's an advantage. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I have had to carry my dog before on a hike when he's gotten injured. And he he's not too heavy. He's around 60 pounds. But yes, it is I don't know how you do unpleasant. It. After a mile, 10 pounds is excruciating. <laughs> I think it's more like I was so nervous and like scared for him, you know, so I yeah. was like adrenaline can take can go a long yeah, way. <laughs> I think that's the only reason if I were to try to do it now just to see I would make it very far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think one misconception that I have heard before and one of my childhood dogs was a small dog. So I think this is where this is coming from is that mm-hmm. small dogs are not as trainable as other breeds as like maybe like a border collie or something like that for things like off-leash hiking yeah but I feel like a dog is a dog 
Is that a bad idea to think that? Well, so I just did a post on Instagram about this and people had a lot of things to say about it, mostly agreeing with me. But I think this is one of those cart versus horse situations because small dogs get a reputation for not being trainable because majority of them are not trained. So therefore, that's proof to people, I guess. I still don't know the exact reason, but out in the world, out in the wild, when people, you know, pass a small dog, they're yappy, they bark, they pull, they do tend to be more reactive because you're tiny and the world is huge and more things seem threatening. And that can be a lack of training and or also a lack of respecting your dog's boundaries. You know, if you're the owner of a small dog, you need to recognize what makes them fearful and avoid those situations as much as you can. So people see a lot of untrained small dogs. And I think somehow the assumption is then made that an attempt to train them was made and failed. When in fact, a lot of people don't train their small dogs. And that might be because of their belief that they're untrainable. Dachshunds have a reputation for being stubborn and hard to train. So I know a lot of people, myself included with my first one, didn't even bother trying. Because you're like, oh, I heard they're impossible to train. I'm not even going to try. The other thing is that small dogs are easier to physically control. So do you want to spend an hour, you know, 20 minutes a day for six months training your dog a certain command like recall or sit or, or whatever? Because sit in the house is different than sit out on the sidewalk. It takes a little, little longer to train small dogs specifically that, but they don't want to spend the time because if they, what, just keep your dog on a leash or... Just if they're going to bark and lunge or do whatever at other dogs, then you can pull on the leash hard and they will have no choice but to come with you. So it's not like having 110 pound dog or 60 pound dog even that's going to rip your arm off and you're not going to be able to control them if they really want to get to something. So I think that that plays into it a lot. But every dog can be trained no matter the size. The breed, I think, is going to be more of the limitation. Dachshunds are hounds. Hounds, their nose rules everything. And I'm not saying you can't teach a hound things like off-leash recall, but it's very hard to get anywhere close to 100% mm-hmm. when things like elk or deer or, you know, really enticing wildlife are around. <laughs> yes, I have a prey-driven dog and I cannot confidently say his recall is 100%. So <laughs> it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty good. It's very good. But yeah. 100%, I cannot say that. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious if someone is listening to this, if they have a small dog, but hasn't brought them out hiking before, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them to kind of help them condition their dog or even integrate their dog into outdoor activities like hiking or camping? Can you just jump out the door if your dog is good, maybe on neighborhood walks? Is it okay just to bring them hiking right away? Or how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, the physical fitness aspect of it is the most important. So if your dog is a couch potato, getting out and walking anywhere, you know, for three miles right away is not a good idea, (laughs) whether that's around your house or whether that's on a trail. I suggest to people, you know, get your dog used to walking. Ideally, it would be like 20 to 40 minutes, seven days a week or five days a week. But even if your dog is able to walk 30 to 40 minutes three times a week, then they're probably ready to try hiking. But in my experience with my dogs, steepness doesn't bother them. 
we've hiked trails that are, I'm not misspeaking, 1800 feet per mile, <laughs> steep, like really steep. But it was only five miles and they acted like it was just our average five mile stroll around the block. No big deal. I was dying. I thought I was going to die the whole way. <laughs> so if your dog's used to walking, yeah, it's okay to go out and start on a trail. I would start with something easier if your dog's never been hiking before. So maybe if you're, you know, used to walking a couple miles around the neighborhood, maybe you just take your dog, you know, for a mile hike or something, one to two mile hike. Most dogs, in my experience, because I have a dachshund club, and so I often introduce other dachshunds to hiking, can go one to two miles, no problem, on a trail if they're used to semi-regular walks at their house. And then you just increase from there. It's like people increase the duration, the time, the elevation, little by little, until my my dachshunds, the, my older one's 12, so I'm starting to like transition her into retirement. But my younger one's almost four and we hiked 15 miles in one day last year. And she's done backpacking trips with me that are about 10 miles a day, you know, four days in a row. I was hoping this summer that we'd get to a 20 mile day, but I'm having physical issues. So I don't know if that's going to happen. That's far. <laughs> 20 miles in a day. <laughs> Dang. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I know. I know there's a lot of people that's like, probably normal but to each their own I am more of the chill backpacker that I'm like oh 10, mm -hmm. 10 miles that's far enough I'm good well backpacking I'd only do 10 miles in a day carrying 40 pounds in my back no thanks right. but mm -hmm. but yeah for just a day hike do like a you know 16 18 20 mile hike would be nice but oh I see what you're saying okay yeah I thought you meant for backpacking and I was like Woo. <laughs> no 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 it, our limitations are me <laughs> I have not run into, I've not gotten to the point where they're like, no, nope, uh-uh. I have not got to that. And and that's something important to, to mention. By the time they're 100%, nope, uh-uh, I'm not going any farther, you've gone too far, it's too late. So you need to know the signs and you need to turn back well before you get to that point. So hopefully we'll, we'll never reach a point in our hiking where they're just completely nope and won't go on because that's too far. We shouldn't have done that then. But mistakes can happen. So you don't know limits until you get there sometimes. And then you just don't do it again. Yeah. And when you're in that situation, you already kind of mentioned this when we were talking about maybe some of the pros and cons of small dogs mm -hmm. is I have heard of trainers telling small dog owners, don't pick your dog up, mm -hmm. even if they're like fearful or something like that, because they need to get used to like, I don't even know the reasoning, maybe standing their ground. I don't know. But do you think carrying your dog sometimes is okay? Like in the example you're saying, maybe you pushed it too far too early and you need mm -hmm. to carry your dog. Or if there's a big dog that doesn't have good recall and you're not sure if they're friendly or maybe your dog is reactive because that's a scary situation for them. Yeah, definitely. If you've gotten to a point where they're tired and don't want to go on, you should carry them because otherwise it could result in injury and or result in them hating the experience and not wanting to do it next time. So that's a 100% like, yes, you should carry your dog situation. The other situations, you know, every trainer has their own hypothesis and theory and, and method. And I've heard both. I think the don't pick your dog up, those small dog up was rooted a lot in like dominance theory and stuff and kind of the theory of I think they call it flooding as a, as a way to desensitize them. Oh, so in other words, if you if a big dog comes up and scares your small dog and you pick them up 
they react, they get kind of like barky or something and you pick them up, you're reinforcing bad. This is what some trainers will say, re reinforcing bad behavior by saying, oh, you can do these, you know, these things. And then I will just coddle you. I've seen it more and more that trainers will say it's okay to pick your dog up. And I just saw a post on Instagram the other day from a trainer that said, that's ridiculous. Don't not pick your dog up. If your dog's afraid, like your job is to make them feel not afraid. And if you can't avoid the situation, like often you can't on trails because you can't step off far enough. Maybe there's a cliff on one side or there's just not a good, a good place you can step off without like damaging fragile vegetation or something. Mm -hmm. And a big dog's coming and I do it because I don't want a scene because history has proved that my dogs will make a scene a lot of times. Gretel. <laughs> uh, Summit's pretty good, but we'll make a scene. I just don't want to cause a scene. I don't want my small dog to go off on another dog and cause a fight because mm -hmm. they don't know my dog. They don't know what their intention is. It just all looks the same outwardly to them. I will pick them up. And so anyway, this trainer was saying, you know, if your dog's scared and your dog feels trapped and your dog feels threatened, it's your job to make them not feel that way. And if picking them up is the only way you can do that, by all means, please do so. So it all depends on just, I guess, what theories you subscribe to. I'm all about comforting dogs. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a dog trainer or expert, but mm -hmm. I am an advocate <laughs> for my dog when I can be. Yeah. And I do think I ran into this issue the other day, actually, as I'm off leash training our newest dog. And he has the issue of trying to rush other dogs. So like he's overstimulated. His recall's not as good in that situation. So, I mean, I think having him on the leash is a great option, especially if it's like a long lead, but mm -hmm. not all large dog owners are going to be doing that. So yeah, what do you recommend maybe in the realm of advocating for your small dog or even what to tell large dog owners about managing their dog. I mean, you can't necessarily boss people around, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I've, I've gone through a spectrum of feelings about other people's dogs not being on leash on trails that require them to be on leash. But the truth is mm -hmm. you can have incidents even when both dogs are on leash too. So leash is not necessarily a solution to bad interactions between dogs. I mean, a trail is an enclosed space. It's like putting two dogs in a very tiny room that don't know each other with only one escape and expecting them to be super friendly to each other. And even the friendliest dogs oftentimes will react bad because they can't move away from something that might scare or bother them. So, of course, the next best thing would be having a solid, reliable recall. So many times people... Oh, Bart, Bart, come back here. Bart, no, come here, Bart. <laughs> they come up to me and then they say, oh, huh. he always listens at home. And I'm like, yeah, in your kitchen. <laughs> when you've got food, of course they do. And also there's just so many more distractions out in the world. And, you know, but I have more empathy than I used to for that. <laughs> I used to get super mad and it would ruin my day. And then I decided the only person I can control is me and my dog. So advocating, I, I take the approach of advocating for my dogs because I can't control anyone else. So for me, that sometimes picking up Gretel, like I said, because Summit is okay with other dogs, although I still don't know that other dog. So I don't know if the other dog's going to have a bad reaction but generally it's it's okay. So, and I only have two hands. So I'll pick up Gretel and hold the leash and the other one with Summit. 
But if we can, we try and step off the trail as far as we possibly can to get a distance. Because I know that my dogs aren't going to react if we're at least four feet away from the other dogs. But like I said, it's an enclosed space. You can't always do that. So sometimes it's saying if you see someone with an off-leash dog and you don't know what kind of recall the owner has. So ideally, the person with the dog would see you coming and they would grab on, either put the leash on or grab onto their dog's collar unless they have like a super solid recall. So they can physically keep their dog away from your dog. So that's the best thing is to not let your dog approach. But for me, being an advocate for my dog will oftentimes, you have to learn to speak up. So I'll call out and say, you know, you only got a few seconds when they're coming at you. So you got to be a little bit blunt. You can't nice it up a lot because you don't have enough time to say that. So I'll say, please don't let your dog approach mine. Just to let them know that like, hey, you should grab on the collar. Or, hey, you should be alert and use your recall to keep them over by you. Things like that, I guess. Those are the main two things for me that are three things. Stepping aside, picking up or calling out ahead of time and requesting that the other owner keep their dog under control as you pass. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that overlaps with mm -hmm. like a dog really any size, you know, because mm -hmm. when there's two dogs approaching each other, you just aren't sure. And oftentimes, yeah, I'll like use my body as a barrier or something and kind of step my dog off the trail because mm -hmm. he's kind of reactive sometimes, like hit or miss. So it is hard to know. Like yeah. another dog might be friendly in most situations, but it's a small space, like you said. You can't control, like I said, keep saying this, you can't control other owners and what they do with their dogs. But ideally, in an ideal world, whether they keep their dog on or off leash, regardless of the rules of the trail, you know, even if the rule says on, on leash and they let their dog off or it says off leash and they keep their dog on, this other owner, no matter the size of the dog, will not let their dog approach your dog without permission. So they will use whatever voice or leash or whatever they need to keep their dog by them, ideally, they will have trained their dog to just ignore other dogs unless invited. So that dog won't stop and stare or won't pull on the leash towards the other dog trying to say hi. You know, they're just going to calmly walk on by, not even paying any attention. That other dog owner, if they want their dog to say hi, will say, is it okay if my dog says hi? And then we'll respect whatever the other person says, you know, yes or no. My dog's reactive. Not today. We're in training, whatever. That would be an ideal situation that's pretty much never going to happen. But <laughs> Oh, the other thing is to teach your dog to greet other dogs properly. So I had an incident the other day where this was at our house, but I was getting ready to get load my dogs in the car. And we were on one side of the car and this guy was coming the other way with two off leash German shepherds that likely did not see us. But when they came around the end of the car, his dog saw us and they just came straight for my dogs. Now, not running, not aggressive, not anything. They clearly just wanted to say hi. But when they got to my dogs, the one like basically walked on top of my dog, stood over her, and then from right up above, put its muzzle down towards to like say hi. But my dog's like, oh my gosh, this dog's a hundred times my size and is coming right for me. So she freaked out. And, and, you know, the guy came running over and he was so apologetic and I was trying not to be a total brat say about <laughs> it. But that was, you know, and he kept saying, my dog, oh, I'm sorry, so sorry, so sorry. My dogs are friendly. They're friendly. 
And I couldn't quite communicate because I was flustered what I meant, but I just kept saying to him, no, they're not friendly. And he's like, my dogs are friendly. And I'm like, no, they're not friendly. <laughs> and what I meant, he meant my dog's not going to attack your dog. What I meant is your dog doesn't know how to greet mm -hmm. small dogs properly. It's scaring my dog. I don't consider that friendly. But again, that would be ideal. That takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of dedication. And 90, 95, whatever percent dog owners are never going to achieve a proper greeting all the time. But ideally, you know, if you want to say, hey, I would like to make the experience better. So I'm going to put some training into my dog to kind of reduce negative interactions on the trail. Those would be the things I would suggest. What would a positive or I guess polite greeting from a large dog to a small dog be? Or would it look like, I guess, if you can explain it without the visual? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not a trainer. I can't speak as an authority, but some things that have helped is if the large dog wants to say hi, if they come over and they lay down like a play bow almost, so it makes themselves smaller but they stop before they get to my dog. Like they don't try and get on top of them, <laughs> you know? They come up, they stop, they lay down. They're saying, I'm friend, I want you to say hi, I want to say hi. You know, and if they don't lay down, it's maybe they go around the dog's circle, They like, like dogs do and smell each other's butts versus going straight for the face or straight down from the top. Those are the things that my dogs react negatively to also. I mean, that's when you get to the actual greeting part. But the step before that is what's the other dog doing? And so many times we just end up across the road, you know, if we're, we're walking on the sidewalk, but we can't if we're on a trail, is people will let their bigger dogs stop and like stare at mine. Like they do the whole, I know a little bit about dog body language. And I mean, the whole like tense, they're leaning forward, the ears forward, like direct eye contact, mm -hmm. sustained eye contact to my dogs. They will always go off on those other dogs because that's threatening. But the owner of the other dog doesn't always see that. And sometimes they're like, oh, cute. Look, my dog's curious or oh, cute. They think they're prey and they're not going to get them because they're on a leash. But they don't realize that that is just a threatening behavior and stance to it to another dog and especially small dogs. Yeah. So maybe if you are training your large dog for like trail, mm -hmm. any type of like outdoor activity, it could be beneficial to work with a trainer that yeah. has experience with both large and small dogs and can help you manage greetings because all of that is really valuable. Yeah, because if, if you ask and the owner says, yes, they can say hi, it is better to have a dog that understands how to greet another dog. But I'm not preaching to anybody because my dogs are small. See, this is back to like the training. And often less threatening. So I haven't put a ton of work into that. But to me, what is achievable is the management of the situation, the avoidance of the situation, and the training your own dog just to leave the other dog alone. Mm -hmm. Like that should be the default because that's easy to do. That's easier to do. Yeah, that is easier to do. But it is also not easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes dedication. I, yeah, if you have a super friendly dog, it does. Yeah. But that's where, you know, even just a simple like the leave it command, you know, it doesn't have to be that you train your dog to ignore every single dog, but only in certain situations, maybe. So if you teach them leave it, my dog's no leave it. That means spit out whatever you've got in your mouth. That means don't eat it before, like don't even put it in your mouth. 
That also means ignore whatever you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So leave it can mean a lot of different things. And that's a key training for any dog that's going to go hiking because there's poisonous things on the trail. There's dangerous wildlife. There's, you know, you don't want your your dogs, not that I'm speaking from experience, but taking off across the field trying to chase a herd of elk that might trample them. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want that. So if you can say leave it. Yeah. And then call them back. You know, those are things that are easier and more common to train a dog. Yeah. And they're things that you can start to implement on daily walks. It doesn't have to be like on a hike. Right. Yeah. You should start before you go on a hike because with any training, you slowly increase the distraction in a hike with all the smells and sounds and the number of dogs you may be encountering. It just really ups the distraction level on those things. (laughs) I know that in a lot of areas, there's limitations as far as where you can take your dog hiking off leash. Mm -hmm. For instance, we live in Washington, so I feel like there is like few and far between. It is possible. But a lot of times you're going after maybe old logging roads or forest service roads or something. That's the off leash area. But if you are able to walk with your dogs or hike with your dogs off leash, do you feel that... Sometimes the consequences are higher for small dogs if they maybe aren't as well trained to stay on the trail or like you said, leave it or recall wise. Yeah, there's definitely reasons whether they had good recall or not that I wouldn't. There's certain places and certain times of year and things that I would never let my small dogs off leash. For example, you know, hiking in eastern Washington, there's rattlesnakes. During the summer, I'm never, ever going to let my dogs off leash when when we're in an area where there's known rattlesnakes, because it just takes one second for them to, I want to be control of them, always watching their nose and their head, because it takes one second for them to startle one under a bush or stick their head down a hole or something and get bit. And to a small dog that's only 10 pounds, that could mean certain death, a bite from a rattlesnake. So that would be one. Also, I love to let them off leash at the beach is really nice. Beach is where it's allowed, of course, but because even though their recall is not 100%, I would say it's maybe 70%. (laughs) A beach is a very, is kind of an enclosed space. They don't like water. They're not going to go out into the water. The upside, there's usually some kind of cliff or bluff or whatever that's going to stop them or slow them down at least. And then they can only run towards me or away from me. So really there's only one escape route and that's away from me. So I would let them off leash, but I will not let them off leash if I see bald eagles or hawks or anything circling overhead or even in the area because 10 pounds is rabbit size, large rabbit, but rabbit size. And um, owls, hawks, eagles and stuff can pick them up. Now, I think I don't want to say that it's fear mongering, but there's a larger fear around that happening than the number of times I'm actually aware of that happening. But also not just eagles, coyotes. I mean, it's rare, but a friend was actually this was in her yard, but she lived next to a green belt with trails and stuff. And she was out in the yard with her dog. She was probably a dachshund, probably 10 feet away, maybe. And a coyote jumped their four foot fence and grabbed her dog and jumped back over. And she unfortunately never saw her dog again. So, oh no. Yes, it was very sad. So, I mean, that can happen. So, if you're in an area where you suspect wildlife threats to your small dog, like a large dog might be able to fight them off. Mm-hmm. There was even a large dog here two years ago, a lab got during daylight. It was on a leash, 
and it still got attacked by a cougar, but it scared it away. It fought it off. And, but a small dog's not going to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. I think that's just kind of, I mean, any dog owner I have found, even though I don't have small dogs anymore, Mm -hmm. being aware of your surroundings and the area you're traveling through is really valuable. I mean, even if my dogs were, you know, I considered they had impeccable recall, I would not let them off leash just like that would not be the default. Mm -hmm. The default would always be on leash, off leash when safe and allowed kind of thing. Yeah. So... I just have a couple more questions. I don't want to take too long, but what are a couple of go-to items that you always bring with for your dogs on hikes? So specifically for my dogs, I don't want them drinking out of streams and puddles. My dogs do not have the leptospirosis vaccine, but they can also get Giardia. Does it happen on rare occasions? Yes, but it's like people... Just filter your water too, but if you're really thirsty and you drink from like a moving part of the stream up in like the high mountains, the chance of getting some bacteria and getting sick is low. I still prefer them to not drink out of lakes and streams and puddles and stuff. So I bring a bottle of water for them, collapsible bowl. I bring, people laugh at how I've been asked if I'm going for overnight backpacking trip with the amount of stuff I bring for a day hike. But I have bring my camera since I have my blog and social media and stuff. But I also bring a lot of stuff for emergencies. I bring at least a small first aid kit and I modify my first aid kits to have dog specific supplies in there. I bring extra layers for my dog, just like you would for you. Because the thing I always ask myself when I head out for a hike is, could I survive overnight if I had to? And I bring enough stuff so I feel confident enough it wouldn't be comfortable, but I could. So for myself and my dogs, I bring an extra layer, at least one extra layer. I bring a little bit of extra food and treats, you know, that might last me rationed out, last me at least another day if something was to happen, because there's all kinds of reasons you could end up having to stay out overnight or at least for hours or something. And I have a plan to carry them in my case. So if you have a large dog, like I said, it's more challenging to carry them if you had to in an emergency, but at least have a plan for it. Bigger dogs, sometimes if you have two people hiking, you could fashion like a stretcher type thing out of logs, like sticks, big sticks and a couple jackets, you know, slide the sticks through the sleeves of two jackets with like the base of the jackets facing each other and somehow try and attach those together. That's a sling. For me, mine can fit in a very small backpack. I have the REI Flash 18. It's a little flimsy thing, but I can wear that as a front pack and I can carry them out. Because like I said, even after a mile, 10 pounds gets heavy. And I I did have to carry my first Dachshund Chester out eight miles one time. And I used the front pack for that. So have a plan there. And then just for you, you know, bring as many of the 10 essentials as you think you need to stay out overnight. I definitely bring like a headlamp and stuff. That's the main things. And then just, you know, poop bags, leash, harness, Typical dog dog walk stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Typical dog walk stuff. Yes. yes. I do find myself bringing so many more things when I bring my dogs with hiking. <laughs> I'm like, you guys need to carry some of your own stuff. But <laughs> yeah. Well, and so back to the, just you know, really quick, back to the limitations and the small versus big dog. Small dogs can't carry their own packs. Right. Dachshunds shouldn't at all because they shouldn't have the pressure on their spine. Mm -hmm. Some small dogs can carry a pack, but you're not putting much in there. You're maybe putting a full poop bag or something, which is essentially nothing. 
So whereas a larger dog can carry maybe their own backpack or, or their own sleeping bag or their own food or their own, you know, so that is also, I'm their hoarder. <laughs> I have to carry everything that they need in my bag. So yes, yeah, so that just takes extra planning. And then if you are on a backpacking trip, that it can be a lot of extra weight because all their food and all that stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. As we kind of wrap things up here, I am just wondering what are some resources that you would recommend to small dog owners if they do want to get their dogs outside more? Well, of course, I'm going to recommend my blog because I've you did what with your wiener because I've I've worked a lot to create articles for almost every question. I even have one article that's 17 of the most common questions about hiking with small dogs answered and stuff. I try and cover everything I can to help people get out and help inspire them. But also just, you know, like we said, dogs are dogs. And a lot of the information is the same, whether you're no matter the size of your dog. So I know you interviewed her before, but Jen Sotolongo has a book out called Hiking with Dogs, Trail Tested Tips. And I really like her book because unlike a lot of hiking with dog books that just talk about the same information you've heard regurgitated for years, which is new to some people, which is great. But then a lot about trails, hers is focused on, you know, she gets down to the details of what, you know, what trainings your dog should know, you know, or commands they should know before you hike. And a lot of hiking with dog books don't cover that, at least not as in depth. And then just, you know, Google search REI and we're in Washington. Washington Trails Association has a couple of good articles on hiking with dogs. REI has some good articles on hiking with dogs and I mean, even back when I started, like I said, I was I was one of the only dog blogs on the Internet and there weren't any that I knew of, maybe one about hiking with dogs. And nowadays, Outside Magazine, Tree Hugger even, so for writing about hiking with dogs and sometimes about small dogs and, and they do a good job, you know, so there's a lot of information out there. But if you're specifically looking for small dog, I would start with my blog because, like I said, I tried to cover as much as I could about the questions that people have specific to small dogs. Yeah. And I'll share a link to your website and then maybe a couple of the posts that you mentioned, like the common questions. And if you have yeah. a packing list or something, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. And there's a contact form on my blog. I, I love answering reader questions and stuff. I mean, okay. So now please a thousand people don't email me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I do, I love helping people and it really helps me to learn about the questions people have. And more often than not, when I get the question more than twice, I end up writing an article about it. So it is really helpful. So I'm happy to help, you know, people immediately answer questions, but then also eventually write an article about it to help other people too. Awesome. And then how can people follow you on social media? So all of our social media is you did what with your wiener. We have a Facebook page. It's you did what with your wiener.com. We're on Instagram. You did what with your wiener. We just started a TikTok, but I'm not that into it. So yet. <laughs> so you're welcome to follow there, but there's not a whole, a whole lot of content yet. <laughs> Those are Instagram and Facebook are the ones we're most active on the way to contact us. And same as you can email me through the blog, you can also use the messenger to message my page on Facebook and, you know, send me a DM on Instagram. Again, happy to help and answer questions. I do all the time. Awesome. And I'll share those links in the show notes as well. So you can go check those out later. Okay. But thank you so much for all of your insights about small dogs. I hope that it helped someone get their small dog on the trail because they like hiking too. They do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, 
let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. New content has begun to appear on the Outdoor Minimalist Patreon. Head over to theoutdoorminimalist.com for more information about our listener support and patron exclusives. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book. Follow there for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with a shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.